Back again for another episode of Talking to Women About Video Games. We're recording this on Friday after the election here in the United States. It has been a whopper of a week, so tense and so eventful. Right now it's looking like a, a guy named uh, Jub, Jub, <laughs> Jubbidin. Jubbidin is going to beat Donadled. Rump. No. <laughs> don't no. needle rump. I'm so sick of these names. I don't even want to say the names. I know, anymore. I know. They're uh, painful. Oh, yeah. I, I just, and I'm not a huge fan of either of these particular politicians, but I have a definite favorite in this race who I'm hoping wins. I, you know what I would do? I would. Oh, I'm. <laughs> what? Arnold Rump. <laughs> Arnold, oh, you, you. I don't know. So you probably noticed I'm back again with Tanya. Tanya, who has been on the two prior episodes of Talking to Women About Video Games, the podcast, is back again because yet again we have a very special episode with a very fancy celebrity. I don't want to say their name because I don't want to spoil it for you, but they are in a movie that's coming out, I think, next year, 2021 about a uh, huge video game controversy that happened in 2014 that I was actually somewhat a part of, a begrudging part of, that I was not having a good time with at all. And it was sort of a precursor to the election of Donald Trump in 2016, but that's a whole other story. So we have this episode with a very famous actress. Again, I'm not going to say her name, but her name rhymes with... Smell and Sage. <laughs> Can I just say that I got to interview her too, and it was hot. You did a fantastic job with Smellin, <laughs> and we have a little bit of work to do on that one. It needs a little bit more time in the oven, so in the meantime, we thought, well, let's just do a regular episode with, yeah. with Tanya. And we also have a ton of guests on this episode. We have now not one, not two, but three Lister segments. The first one is... Can this mom really review a video game? And she did. We have a mom of a listener named Soda Baby. And boy, was she confused about that. We're going to cut to that <laughs> clip in a second. So Soda Baby is a young man who named himself after a character created by Jim Sterling, a man I know who was on another show that I do called Boston's Favorite Son. And... Soda Baby loved the Soda Baby character so much, he said, just call me Soda Baby. But he didn't tell his mom that. Oh. So right before this clip starts with Carla, an amazing person who reviewed a video game called Disc Room by, I can't say their whole names. I only know two of the developers. I know JW and Kitty, and they're fantastic people. They made this video game called Disc Room, such a fun game, available now on Steam and Switch. And I don't know if it's anywhere else yet. I don't think it's on PS5 or Xbox. And we'll be talking about Xbox Series S pretty soon. So Carla reviewed this game for us on Steam. And she started a review right after I told her that her son is named Soda Baby. Let's take a listen. <laughs> can this mom even review this new video game? Yes, she can! Yeah! Carla, are you there? Hello, I'm there. Soda, baby. His secrets are getting out. I didn't even know that. Yeah, his screen name is Soda, baby. And I believe he named himself after a character that a colleague of mine, Jim Sterling, created in an improv skit, pretending that we were going to do some sort of cop show about a French policeman named Soda, baby. Oh, great. <laughs> 
pretty it's pretty great. So Carla, I sent over a code to Soda Baby, who then uh, booted up this game called Disc Room, a game that you played. What did you think of it? How did you feel about it? Well, I liked pieces of it that came from games in my history, mm-hmm. like um, the Intellivision Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like the maze aspect of it. I like that. Um, ah. and kind of kind of the mystery, you know, because it's you're going into the dark a lot of times, and it felt that way. Although now, when I I did a YouTube of that in television game, and I cannot believe the difference and how archaic it is. It was insane. Oh my oh, gosh! Huh. All of the sounds, like the um, the dragon coming when you can't see him yet, but he's coming, and the and the cobra and everything making the noise. It just brought it all back to me. So that was totally fun to see that. I didn't imagine that I could ever find it again. So that was cool. So Um, one of your favorite things about Disc Room, and I should explain the game a little bit, you are a little person running around in rooms that are filled with saws. And mm -hmm. sometimes when a saw kills you, you get a power from it. But most of the time when a saw kills you, it just ends the game and you have to start over. And there's a lot of different choices you can make about... Yep. That sort of thing. But it's moving through a series of rooms in a maze-like pattern, trying to get through all of it to find out what's going on with all these saws. Is that right? Do I have the premise right, Carla? It is, yes. And and the saws initially and the blood were, I have to say, off-putting. Mm. Um, that was kind of rough for me. And I, I switched to um, confetti instead of blood. <laughs> but then that didn't last for long, and I'm back to blood again as... You know, as I get get into it, I'm like, okay, I can handle the blood. Wow. Um, but you know, you're talking to a person who's used to rescuing adorable rabbits in colored bubbles that float slowly down to earth uh, with their parachutes, you know, in pop time, which is what I spend most of my time, my spare time doing right now. I don't now. think I've heard of that game. So not not in real life. You're not rescuing animals no. in bubbles in real life. No, no. Um, it's yeah, it's just on, on my Android, and it's I think it's um, called by Tactile Pop huh. Time Simon's Simon's Cat. So it's little animals and cats and stuff. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but sounds adorable. Kind of, well, it it is, and so it's a little hard to get used to sauce. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm really interested in the fact that you started with confetti or you started with blood where to disturbed switch to confetti Mm -hmm. and then for some reason decided to push yourself and say you know what maybe i can handle the blood and turn it back on yeah and actually it gets kind of sadistic and it's been cathartic for me because sometimes i just run into the saws to watch it happen You can think about that little guy who, you know, doesn't really have any characteristic, which I like also. He doesn't look like a real person, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, but I can picture him as people in my life that are frustrating. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and, and just run into the saw. So that's great. I like that. <laughs> that is, that is so great. Because yeah. you, you don't run out of lives. I like that. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I don't know if games like this are common. Yeah, I don't know because I'm not I'm not out there playing a lot of stuff, but I thought it was really challenging, really challenging. Like mm-hmm. I mean, some of the rooms I did not like, 
with the saws that immediately just come flying at you and you it feels like you don't have a chance and you're just trying to stay alive for 10 seconds Ooh, that's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty crazy i don't know yeah um, it's very stressful it yeah and i'm thinking i don't really need the stress but then i find rooms that i really like that remind me of other games like um when i get to the room that's a gatekeeper mm-hmm and they have the little gold balls. I don't know what those are supposed to be. And you have to go around and collect them. Oh, right. Avoid mm-hmm. the saws while you collect them. Um, like that, it feels kind of like Pac-Man. And Ms. Pac-Man was my favorite game all time, probably. It's so, an incredible game. Yeah, yeah. So, so it reminded you of an Advanced Dungeons & Dragons on the Intellivision, which is a, a, what they would call a very deep cut. That's not a... Uh, a pop hit game that everybody's talking about. This the specific in television version yeah. of Advanced mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, which you remember from growing up. Yeah, nineteen eighty. That was a <laughs> long time. It was. <laughs> Do you remember those in television commercials? They had this British gentleman sitting in like a library room, and he was <laughs> trying to make you feel as though in television was the classy video game system. He said something like, uh, oh, choosy gentlemen, choosing television, or something like that. No, really? Yeah, yeah. you should look it no. up. It's a, it's a hoot. Huh. Cool. <laughs> it may come back to you when you when you see it. It was like <laughs> Sir Robert Attenborough or some, some oh, classic no. British name yeah. uh, sure. selling a television. Uh, so did you think Disc Room was classy? Do you feel as though it was, was had a kind of, even though it was gory, it it was still sort of restrained and and respected you in some ways, yeah. respected you to be able to do difficult tasks, but also to customize your experience the way you wanted to. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I like it. And I can make a choice about what kind of room I want to go into or spend my time in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really satisfying to open doors and go into other rooms and then have to try to figure out the strategy for the room and what it is you need to do. So mm. it's really thought-provoking, really intriguing, I think. Hmm. Um, and it's something I enjoyed enough to see that it could be addictive, which has pros and cons, I suppose. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, I liked it. When you were playing Miss Pac-Man, did you ever feel like you were addicted, like you had pack fever and you just oh, couldn't yeah. put it down? Well... Mm-hmm. When I played Ms. Pac-Man, I didn't have it in my house. Oh, so right. Arcade, and I was feeding quarters into it. And your mom only gives you so many quarters, you know? So I, I do know. I tended to gravitate towards the games that I was good at and that I could spend a lot of time at because I didn't really want to go sit on the curb and wait for my mom to pick me up. <laughs> You know, and so, yeah, that's what I like. And I loved, like, Millipede, Centipede and Millipede. Those oh, are cool. super yeah. hard games with the trackball. So oh, I uh, love it's... it. And that, see, I can see this game, the disc room, with the trackball. I think really? that was sweet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Wow, what a, what a cool idea. Because it is all about getting the character around the screen with, with full control and precision and the trackball really challenges you to be able to do that but with the trackball it's all about how good you are with it like if you're really good with the trackball there's really nothing you can't do you can mm-hmm. you can be way more precise and quick than you would be with a regular controller can you believe that a lot of people listening to this podcast probably have no idea what we're talking about they've never <laughs> seen millipede or a trackball or but uh 
Yeah, I know. Or an arcade. There's plenty of people out there who have only seen arcades in like old movies. They they would call a movie like uh, The Last Starfighter, an an old movie from from, uh, the the golden age of film. (laughs) Yeah, it's really something. But uh, you're right there. You're keeping up with it, Carla. You're on this podcast listened to by the youth. They're going to be looking up to you and trying to be more like you and hopefully check out Disc Room, which you've given a pretty glowing recommendation to. If you could give your compatibility with Disc Room a score, and that's how I like to review things. I think that giving a game a score like a grade isn't exactly fair because... It's all about your personal experience and personal relationship with the game. That's the only thing you can really put a number on. So on a scale from 1 to 10, let's say a 10 is like a game you want to marry. A 5 <laughs> is a game that you'll like just be friends, hang out with a few times a year. And a 0 is a game that uh, just totally struck out with you. You never want to play it again. Where would mm-hmm. you score Disc Room, you think? I have to say like an eight and a half. Wow. Because I don't know. I can't give it a 10 because I need more time with it. I mean, I've probably spent an hour and a half um, playing. And and so I know there's a whole lot more to it that I didn't catch on to. Mm. With Soda Baby (laughs) sitting next to me, he notices a lot of things that I wasn't noticing. So it was kind of cool to have him who sees games all the time and can navigate everything a lot better than I could. So that was cool. And I'm just seeing that there are so many other things to look at. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to be challenged by that game. Mm. And it was fun. I liked it. I swore a lot. (laughs) And I'm not sure that's a good thing because... I mean, it was just expletives constantly, and now I'm a little nervous at work that it's going to come flying out of my mouth. So I have to work on that. Sounds like it helped you get in touch with some stuff that Mm. you didn't necessarily know was there that you didn't get to express in regular life. You got to run the little character into saws and get out some aggression. Maybe you didn't know was there, some frustration with people. You got your, your swears out. I mean, it's much better, in my opinion. To get upset at a video game and vent your frustrations in a fictional way, then then you know you know go hit the road and start uh, getting road rage and swearing at other drivers or yeah it's it's a, a pretty harmless way to get it out and it sounds and I like didn't overall even know I needed it I didn't even know it so thank you <laughs> anytime well Carla it has been such a pleasure I have all these other games you can review I've got a huge <laughs> I get sent codes probably like seven or eight codes a week at least and i'm not putting the pressure on you but i'm extending the invitation it's been such a pleasure to talk with you you've been thorough and genuine in your critique your assessment of this game and you're invited back anytime oh thanks i appreciate it anytime okay thanks carla take care see you jonathan thanks bye bye Wow, she was just so fun to talk to. I had never talked to Carla before, so I had no idea how that was going to go. And frankly, I was incredibly impressed with how willing she was to both talk to me as a total stranger for a podcast that has some listeners. I mean, we're not blowing up Joe Rogan style, but we're not doing bad in terms of listeners. And she really put herself out there and was just so fun to talk to and so insightful. I think she surprised herself with some of the insights that she came up with as she was speaking. What did you think, Tanya? I loved Carla. She's like super warm, super fun. But 
I wasn't anticipating her to say that she was just having a blast running into saws. And when she did, <laughs> I was like, Carla's my lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, Carla's awesome. Yeah, it was great. A great she did review. A great job. Very 8. relatable. 5. And it's. Uh, I'm going to send that over to the developers. Hopefully, they find it interesting too. Because I only know JW and Kitty, but I know that they really wanted this game Disc Room to appeal to everybody. They didn't want to make it yes. just for people who look for video games for the conventional reasons, escapism, power fantasy, that sort of thing. They made a, a lot of effort. I think you might have heard it in the review, Tanya. They allow you to turn off blood and instead turn on confetti that pops out. That's so awesome. Isn't yeah. that fun? Yeah. And you can customize the difficulty any way you want so it can really be a game anybody can enjoy. And Carla, who plays some mobile games and used to play some arcade games and some and television games, she doesn't consider herself a gamer by any sense of the word. And now she's starting to change her mind about that potentially. And she's thinking about doing more reviews for the show. That's awesome. And I especially felt like I would think that as a game developer, you'd really want to play to somebody's like nostalgia. We've talked about this in the last episode, just playing to nostalgia and how people enjoy that. And um, the fact that it reminded Carla of Intellivision, I think was really awesome and mm -hmm. a good thing about the game. Like, not that it's the same, but that it brought back feelings for her. Yeah, absolutely. I, You know, JW and Kitty, I don't think they were even alive when t Intellivision came out. I was only three or four, and I'm at least 15 years older than the two of them. They're in their, I think, early 30s, late 20s. So Maybe accidental nostalgia? <laughs> well, they, uh, JW, I know him better than Kitty, and I know he is a real student of all schools of game design. He really wanted to learn how each game managed to speak a language that was embraced by the generation that it was released in. So he is, is not someone to bypass a game just because it's old. And again, he wants to make games that appeal to everybody. And in the olden days, you may be too young for this, Tanya, but in the days of the Intellivision, like I was saying to Carla, I think, a little bit, they advertised the Intellivision as being a system for the classy gentleman. <laughs> they got, a, I can't remember his name, but a, like a British scholar and poet to do the commercials for Intellivision in like this vast library room. And he'd be like, so compared to Atari, Intellivision is the classy man's video game. Look at this baseball. And it's just crappy. Yeah, and the gameplay. Yeah, it was like <laughs> soccer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've seen these. Yeah. So there was an attempt to make games that had a super broad appeal then. And those same design elements work to make a game with a broad appeal now. And I'm excited to see if Disc Room ends up finding that appeal. But it does bring up this idea of nostalgia and the way games used to be made. Comparing and contrasting, I'm really curious, Tanya, I'm going to ask you a bit about what you think about the upcoming PS5 and PS5 DE digital Whoa. edition. <laughs> and the Wait, so the PS5... PlayStation not, 5. Yeah, but it's mm. not digital. You have to get the DE version to be digital. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all digital entertainment. Oh. It's all bits and bytes and pixels yeah, and but, bleeps and bloops. But why? Why do they call it digital edition? Yeah. Ah, uh, you know. That seems a little redundant, doesn't it? <laughs> I, mean. I believe there is a uh, version of the console that runs almost identically to the regular version, except this digital-only version doesn't have a disk drive. So oh, that's you, right. You have to download all the games. And there's also the Xbox One Series S, which is the big, strong version of the new Xbox. And then there's a cute baby version called the Xbox 
No, I'm sorry. It's not one anymore. It's Xbox Series S. The one is the old one. The new one, no one, only series. So Xbox Whoa. Series S, but not the Xbox. That's a different system completely. The Xbox, <laughs> your, your face. My, I was... <laughs> you looked genuinely confused, and I, I, I'm sorry. I, I wear my emotions on my face. You do, I do. You're very transparent, and I, I think it's great. So the Xbox Series S is actually the fourth Xbox, but they didn't want to call it the Xbox 4 for some reason. PlayStation, they number them. People love it. PlayStation 4 outsold the Xbox One which was the third Xbox. Come on, I'm guys. not kidding. Come on. Kid you not. It's not uh, nice. So I sold it by a vast margin. And my guess is that it's because of two things. One, it was easier to understand what it was and, and how it worked. And there was issues with the Xbox One when it initially was released where you thought you were always going to have to be connected to an online server in order to play any games because they wanted to chart everything you were doing. It was very consumer non-friendly and turned people off. But video game consoles in general, I think, are on the decline. And this is a very controversial attitude to take in the video game world, but I'm mm. putting it out there anyway. Uh, the generation before that. PlayStation 3. I saw that you have one, actually. I do. Yeah, so you know a little bit of the PlayStation 3. That came out around the time of the Xbox 360, which was actually the Xbox 2. It's the second yeah. one, but they said, you know, it's like 300. That was huge. 360? Yeah. Did pretty well. It was the, quotes gamers, unquote, console for a bit. And the Wii, which sold better than all of them at first. But if I remember correctly, they all ended up around 100 million units sold globally. So it was like 300 million consoles sold then. Wow. Huge. Next generation, PC gaming's doing a lot better. PS4 does well. Mm -hmm. PS4, I think, is at like 90 million or 100 million. Maybe it's even higher. I haven't kept track. The Wii U totally bombed. Yeah, I remember hearing about that and then nothing. Nothing. Totally. Yeah. It was it was one of my favorite consoles, and I can talk about that huh. at length someday if you want to hear more about it. But it bombed, and the Xbox One, not so much so. It didn't do terrible, but it didn't do as well as the PS4. So I think all around console sales for the last generation were, were down, well below 300 million, I think, between the three consoles. So now the, there's two more consoles coming out, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about them after this clip from Kaiju, who's going to relax us, talking a little bit about her first video game console and mine. She wanted to get into what is the heart of what we really love about video games and learn to love about video games as we first started playing them. And that might give us some perspective on whether the PS5 and the Xbox Series X they really did that. They put an X at the start and the end. Yeah. Uh, whether it is going to be able to be as legendary as the video game consoles we grew up with. And this is a new segment. Kaiju's never been on the show before, so please... Listen to her with an open mind and open heart, and give her a shot. Here she comes. Getting cozy with Kaiju, it's time to learn and grow. So cozy with Kaiju, like a diamond in the snow. Hey Kaiju. 
How are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm doing really good. <laughs> Thank you so great. much for having me on the show. My pleasure. I insist you. I was going to say, you don't have to call me Kaiju. You can call me Kai. Oh, wow. We're already at that level. That's so nice. So, Kai, <laughs> we've never talked before. No idea what you're going to say and do. It's totally unpredictable and yet relaxed. I already um, feel relaxed with you. I'm glad. I want you to be cozy. Oh, and, I do feel cozy. <laughs> and comfortable. Now, yes. I want to take you back yeah. to, your, to, to your childhood today. Me? Yeah, everybody who's listening. You and me and everybody who's listening. Let's go back to our childhoods for a second. Okay. And tell me about your very first video game console. Oh, me? You want to hear about mine? I want to hear about the very first video game console that you got. Wow. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk about that. So the very first video game device I ever had was called Hit and Missile. And it wasn't actually a video game in the strict sense of the term because it had no video screen. It was pieces of tape that would go across the screen and it wasn't a video screen it did not light up and you had to shoot planes on this tape with a actual physical light would form a missile and move up and hit these planes and then another light would glow behind it this was i want to guess like 1978 maybe this was an ancient piece of hardware so that was my first video game device of any kind but my first console was the atari 5200 which was the failed, floppy, gigantic, sloppy sequel to the very popular Atari 2600. The Atari 5200, not so popular, and I loved it anyway. I've always ended up with these underdog consoles, and these are just a couple of examples of some of the underdog consoles I've loved over the years. Kai. That's so cool. And now I feel like mine's kind of just boring. No. You're just like, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm sitting here like, I don't know. I was expecting you to be like, I had this like Atari and I played Pong with my brother all the time. And I'm just sitting here like, oh, that's, you've got these amazing console. I've never even heard of these consoles. Oh yeah, I know. And it's, it's just about... like, they're so cool. And I'm just like, my first one was a Sega Genesis. Was it really? Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like 90, 90, it had to have been like 95 or 96. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. Um, I would have been about, I think, because Sonic 2 came out in like 1993. And so the end, I think it was about 10. And it was for my, it was before my smallest sister was born. And she was born in 98. Okay. So it had to have been like 95, 96, somewhere around there. So I was about 10. We were at my grandparents' lake house for Christmas that year. Um, my grandparents were snowbirds and they would go out to their winter home. And so we were at their lake cabin for Christmas one year to make it really special. And my mom had gotten us. A Sega Genesis. Ah. And it was like the coolest thing. And it was like, you know, it was kind of like the end of the console's life cycle at that oh, point. Oh, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so we didn't really have a lot of games for it. But when we got the Genesis, we played the crap out of it. <laughs> like forever. There's there's only a couple of, we, we only had, a, we had Sonic 2. Okay. Which is still like my favorite game to this day. <laughs> and how old was your sister then? Um... My babyest sister wasn't born. I have three siblings, oh, wow. and my youngest okay. sister wasn't born yet. She was born in 98, so this had to have been like 96-ish. Oh, wow. All right. And I, I would have been 10, my brother would have been 8, and my other sister would have been like 3 or 4. 
Oh, geez. Did you all play? Did it, we, uh, we all played. We all played the hell out of it. <laughs> Sonic awesome. 2 is one of the only games that I can finish still, like that I can play all the way through. It's pretty hard. Did you play as Sonic or did you play as Tails when you played with your siblings? Uh, it depended. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, Because we always had to switch off the controllers, right? Right. So yeah. it's like, you play, you've been playing as Sonic. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> siblings, right? right? Yeah. I, do you right. have siblings? I do. I have an older brother who I've talked about on prior podcasts with my old friend Jim Sterling. And I've said things like, he may kill a man. <laughs> and he may not. I don't know. He's a mysterious guy. He does not like video games, though. He oh, so only you likes. No, no. Yeah, I, I, my <laughs> first video game console, as I was saying, was the Atari 5200. But I did share that with my mom, who loved playing Super Breakout and Pengo. Uh, a very early Sega game that predates Sonic by, geez, over 10 years, I think. It's one of their earlier mascots, a little penguin who was stuck fighting with some monsters amongst the ice. And you would crush them with blocks. You would just, just murder, smush these these long nose, sort of like snowmen. I'm not sure what they were. Maybe bugs. But you did a lot of killing as that little penguin in Pengo, in Pengo, and my mom loved it. But later on, a few years later, I saved up money by babysitting and bought my own computer called the Commodore 64. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I've heard of that one. Have you? It's ancient. I've the... never played. I've never seen one. Oh, yeah. They're really a sight. So the computer itself is just a keyboard <laughs> that is filled with bits filled with computer bits and then to buy a disk drive cost the exact same amount as the computer they were both two hundred dollars and this was in the 1980s when gas prices were hmm, i don't know 50 cents a gallon so so this was big money back then this was like playstation 5 level money to buy the commodore 64 and then to buy the disk drive in order to play anything on it was another two hundred dollars but i saved up for years to buy that and the cool thing about it was then I could just play tons of pirated games because they were on discs and, and cool older kids made copies of floppy disks and gave them to me. And I was like, I can't believe you gave me this disc, but what's going to be on it? Old weird kid that's given me discs. I'm only 10. Why are you even talking to me? These thoughts came to mind even then. But we've both had some really nice experiences with video game consoles, guy. That's where yeah. I'm coming away from this. I feel bonded to you. And the, and the joy you've had uh, as an extrovert who still <laughs> loves to connect with these virtual worlds and just see what the developers made for you. You, you kind of get to know people through the games they make, I think. Yeah, you got to put a lot of yourself into these games, right? Like you put a lot of heart and soul, especially in the smaller indie mm. circles Yeah, absolutely. where I like to hang out these days. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very nice cozy place to be with stardew valley and it is a very cozy place it's very comfortable isn't it it's so nice well kai thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today thank you so for excited to me. talk to you again hopefully you'll you'll come on again hopefully you had a good enough time and you'll decide I, to come on again i have had an absolute blast thank you so much jonathan my pleasure talk soon talk soon bye bye Thank you, Kaiju, for being a wonderful queen. See you next time. Man, she is one relaxing son of a bitch. Sorry to say that, Kaiju. Feeling a little unfiltered, but I'm just overwhelmed with how 
another person I'd never talked to before just put me at ease immediately. Just wanted to get in there and and talk honestly and vulnerably about our childhood experiences playing video games. It was so so sweet. What do you think, Tanya? There are some amazing ladies out there. They are. Yeah. They're listening to the show. They they, I know. they hit me up. I know. We're like, can I be on your show? She and was said, great. She was fantastic. So glad that she reached out. And if you're a listener to the show, I'm going to try to squeeze everybody in as well as I can. I'm never going to cut anybody out and say, well, there's a new person that I want on instead of you. Everyone is invited forever. We're, we're going to put show. you on a lottery. There's going to be, <laughs> we're going to have a cage with uh, balls and numbers. Cage balls. The very best kind. You never know what's going to happen. We're making this up no, as we go along. No, just kidding. No, I think it's great. I want to hear from more ladies because clearly mm. I'm, I'm realizing that I'm the odd one out here. That I need to I need to get hip with the times here. I don't know if you do. I want to hear a little bit more about the video games you played and loved growing up. Because I'm not guessing your stories are all that different from mine and from Kaiju's. So my video game experience is sort of limited and it's really narrowed down to a small amount. Mm -hmm. But I have some girlfriends that actually play a lot of video games. And I have a girlfriend that really played a lot of computer games when we were growing up. And we played a game called Heroes Quest. Right, the Sierra Classic, a point-and-click adventure, if I remember. Yes. Why do you know all this stuff? I think about it. I, I talked to at least one person who worked it. Sierra forever ago. I don't think it was Roberta Williams. Well, I mean, I don't know who made it, but I'm trusting you when you say because... <laughs> oh, sure, sure. It wasn't... It, it feels like forever ago, but those... The, the women who made Sierra what it is are still kicking around, for the most part, and making games today. And uh, one of them, uh, I think her her husband has, like, the same last name as me, and she also writes, like, slash fiction... Oh! Sherlock Holmes, like, making out with... That's awesome. Sexy Watson on the side. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh. She's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah no yeah. wonder I like the game so much. <laughs> yeah. Passionate women putting it out there. That's what it was about. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Heroes Quest. Tell us a little bit more about it. So, gosh, it sort of reminded me of Zelda in a way. Hmm. Okay. Just because you're, you're like top down looking, moving people around or... Mm. Where you went? Uh, it was like side down, like side, what they call yeah, a, like... a, a three quarters view down. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, all I remember is that there's a hero. They're on a quest. <laughs> it was a long time ago. There's lots of places you can go and people you can talk to. And then you go in the woods and you fight somebody and you get like clues or you get passwords and sure and uh, solving puzzles, solving, exploring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking to creatures. So what do you think it was about the game that? clicked with you when we talked to Carla earlier in the episode when I asked her to give her review score you'll notice I didn't say well what what score do you give the game you know because you, you can't give a game a score you can only talk about how you felt about the game so I asked her to rate her relationship with the game on a scale from 1 to 10 she gave it 8.5 and then explained what it was about her that connected with that game so what do you think it was that connected you to Heroes Quest and vice versa um, I think it was just the storyline and the uh, the fantasy. It was like a lot of. No, well, did you play it by yourself or did you play no, it with no, others? No, 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 no. I played it with Lisa. Oh, your my good best friend. friend. Uh huh. Yes. Still, still a good friend. My very best friend. Oh, yeah. that's great. And we were probably so it was eighty nine, I think when it when it was published. So we were probably like ten. Okay. I believe fifth grade. Oh. Great yeah. age. 
And yeah. and did you feel like you It were... was like on the cusp of not pretending any longer. So we were we had been friends for beforehand, but we were at that age where you're just at that point where you stop pretending mm. and then you do other things, right? Right, right, right. right. So puberty and all that stuff. I guess. Mm. But um so we would play the game and then we would like act out the game. <laughs> awesome. Really? Like you and her? Yes. Huh. So do you remember vividly acting the game out with her? Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. So the game, you remember it, but it sounds almost like you're remembering a dream. And it's yeah, fuzzy. The game, yeah, the game is fuzzy. I remember certain things like passwords and just fighting somebody in the woods and rooms. I remember rooms. Okay. But, but I remember too, like after, so we would play the game all day and then we would like in the evening act it out and play. And I remember I broke one of her mother's like finish candles and she was so mad at me because <laughs> I was using it as a dagger. <laughs> so she was finished and she had candles. Yeah, they're awesome candles, by I the way. They're yeah, fantastic. They're, they were amazing. From Finland. Yes. Yeah, that's a... and, oh my God, she was so mad at me. She was like the type that wouldn't talk to me. She would she would like just ignore me. Huh. How'd you patch that up? Do you remember? I don't know. You just went back to playing the game or something and just forgot about she it? She pouted for a little bit and then she got over it. Oh. That's probably what she did. Friendship. <laughs> yeah. And, and how many years later has it been? So... That's really that's really cruel of you. That was a mean math question, wasn't it? I can do it. So no. this is eighty nine. You're talking? Yeah. So so ninety nine, two thousand nine. Thirty years. Yeah. Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still friends. She's my best friend. Amazing. So good. So good. And video games are a part of it. So it brings me to these new consoles coming out. I am not super excited about them. I play a fair amount of games on the computer and on the. Nintendo Switch, which is a handheld, fits into my life very well these days. I don't want to monopolize the television too much for my family, so I end up playing video games on a, a little handheld that you can hook up to the TV. I don't know if you knew that. And I don't know if I want to buy a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series S or Series X. Those are the... But I don't think that you want the Xbox. Well, I haven't... I, I bought an Xbox because the Xbox was basically the sequel to the Sega Dreamcast, which I absolutely loved. Mm. I don't know if you knew this. Sega went under after the Dreamcast. It was, uh, and we heard from Kaiju a little bit about the Sega Genesis. It's considered a very old console, but it's Sega's most popular console. After that, they had the Saturn, which I bought day one. It was like $700. No way. Still love the Saturn. Yeah, I've got this uh, game called Panzer Dragoon Saga. For the Saturn, last time I checked on eBay, it's worth like 2000 bucks. Wow. I still have it just sitting around in a plastic bag, mint condition. Do you ever play it? I'd love to, but uh, I'm too lazy to get out the system that's all dusty and stuff and hook it up to a TV that it'll work with. But vividly, I remember playing that game. Bought it at launch. Absolutely love it. After that, the Dreamcast, which totally bombed. It sank Sega's chances at being a video game console developer. But they transferred a lot of, they actually transferred at least one of their staff members, this guy named Peter Moore, if I remember correctly, who was at Sega. He went over to Microsoft, headed up the development of the Xbox, and brought over a bunch of Sega exclusives. So it was kind of the sequel. It was as close as I was going to get to a new Sega console. So I loved the first Xbox, Xbox 360. 
no interest. You have to like go online now and make an account. And yeah, it's too old for yeah. that stuff. And yeah. it melted. My first Xbox 360 melted and died. It got the Red Ring of Death. It was called. It had like a. It was like a known problem and known. It was like issue. a 60% failure rate or something. Like oh they my were God. constantly breaking. But they said, "Oh, we're so sorry. If you send it back, we'll fix it." And they did that. But it was extremely inconvenient. So I started to gravitate away from. I mean, didn't they realize that their target audience was? pretty stoned all the time <laughs> actually i mean they probably were motivated to get it fixed well the xbox 360 was the beginning of this whole hardcore gamer yeah i'm online yeah. and i'm showing off my gamer score to other people so maybe not so much stoned uh, so stoned and part of this kind of cultish tribal mentality mm -hmm. us versus them it still goes on, and we've been in the midst of it in the political uh, sphere for so long now, Republicans versus Democrats and blah, 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 and people really thinking that other Americans are the biggest enemy to America because of XYZ thing. Video games have bred that kind of tribal animosity towards each other for a long, long time. And Xbox 360, Shia LaBeouf, I don't know if you've seen him, he, I have. He he hardcore dissed all Wii owners. He flipped his hat around backwards and said, if you play the Wii, you're not even hardcore. You got to play Xbox 360. I wouldn't even hang out with Wii owners. What a douche. <laughs> buff. He's just a kid. He was like 18 or something at the time. I hold oh nothing against him. I think he's a great guy from what I, I do too. Tell. Yeah, but you know, as a kid, you get sucked into this like us versus them. I'm part of the cool clique that plays these kinds of video games. When I was growing up, if you played video games, you d defaulted any sort of coolness immediately. You just threw away any ability to be uh, considered hip and with it. And you had to just admit, I'm a loser. Hey, everyone. I'm the least cool guy in school. I'm playing Parade But I, But I know something you don't know. <laughs> and that's my video <laughs> games are awesome. <laughs> Well, I didn't know anybody like you, uh, you know, kids in fifth grade, girls, human girls in fifth grades. Yeah. That didn't happen when, when I was around in fifth grade. None yeah, of... but I was like I was like a tag along. Like, she actually plays video games, and so does my very good friend Laura. Huh. And she's worked in the industry. Is that right? Yep. Pretty interesting. So we were all closeted then. There were girls, I'm sure, playing video games then. But they didn't talk about it because they didn't want to get made fun of. And I didn't talk about it very much because I didn't want to get made fun of. So we were all afraid of getting caught liking video games and being So mocked. when did it turn around and become really cool? Do you think it was just like uh, the internet era people Xbox connectivity? Xbox 360 is when oh, people okay. started to wear it as a, as a badge because they did such an amazing job at branding their console and their online play component in a way that made you feel good about yourself for doing it. So it's that connectivity mm -hmm. and visibility. And defining and, yourself. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. And and I was just going to say the console itself, the, the way it was. Yeah. yeah. And it was also the Wii was extremely open. Like Disc Room is trying to invite people who don't normally play games into playing it and saying, uh, we made this for you too. The Wii was trying to get grandmas playing video games and, and all sorts of stuff. And whenever you open something up to all ages, all genders and whatnot, that invites people to say, well, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be cool and special and elite. And I think there's actually even an Xbox console called the Xbox Elite, 
Like huh. they really try to sell people on the idea that the more you play video games and the better you are at them, you are actually better than other people. And that really turned me off because I really love the idea of opening it up to everybody and everybody's opinion mattering the same and everybody's ability to have fun with video games being about finding a little bit about yourself through playing them and right. finding a, finding out a little bit about the person who made them too right, right. and not having it be a competition. I'm extremely not competitive. So that turned me off to the Xbox brand pretty much uh, for good. I didn't buy an Xbox One and I don't think I'm going to buy an Xbox Series S, but I might get a PS5. So what's eh. coming out on the PS5 that you're interested in? <sighs> well, none of the games, that's for sure. <laughs> it comes with a game called Astro's Playroom, I think it's called. Hmm. And it's kind of... That sounds really dirty. <laughs> tell me, tell me more about playroom. it. The Playroom. I don't know. I don't know. That's I where my mind goes immediately. I did not see that. The Ass Playroom, yeah. That uh, could be a fine porn parody on yeah. Pornhub.com. Yep. Pornographic video game. Uh, some of Pornhub's most popular videos are video game related. I don't know if oh, you Oh, really? Know. Oh, yeah. Fortnite. Oh. Overwatch. So many butts that uh, shine and, 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 and get played with. Ass play, as you were there saying. There you go. Yeah, there it is. You pegged it. So the PS5 is just kind of like a PS4 again, except it's giant and it has flaps and it's expensive. But two things make it stand out. Wait a minute, out. it has flaps? It has flaps. What does that mean? What I is know. the purpose? Nobody knows. They're just like, this time, flaps. It's, it's Like flaps on the actual console? It's a flappy console, yeah. <laughs> it's, a fla it's, uh, it's big. It's the biggest why? console they've ever made. I don't know why. And it, it's white. All the other consoles have been gray or black. This one, white. So I thought that the whole trend was to go sleeker. I mean, even my new cable box is smaller and very surprisingly sleek. Yeah, like mini is the yes. way to go. And Xbox is going that way. So they're... So what's going on with PlayStation people? It's a great question. I know some of them. I haven't talked to them in a little while. I don't know if they would tell me the secrets. And even if they did, they would probably have to do it Be in like... a way that was marketing to me. Yeah, they have to do that. What is that jobs. like um, in a car, like the wing of the car? Like it's the flap oh, of the, the PlayStation. The, the foilers or something? Yeah. The spoiler. Spoiler, that's it. Yeah, it's got spoilers on it. And it takes up a lot of space. Um, a video game developer, I have a huge amount of respect for who actually just revealed that n not only uh they but their main character of a very popular game they put out called celeste are both trans and it nice. was huge news yeah it was it was amazing to hear that confirmed that their story of creating this game paralleled their story of understanding that they were trans and to be open and vulnerable about that was incredible that's Maddie Thorson and uh, Maddie also announced that they are getting a PlayStation, but they're keeping it in their basement because it's the only place they have enough room for the dang thing because it's so darn big. So, yes, the PlayStation 5 has two things going for it. Solid state drives? Better for loading times? I think I'll I, trust you on that one. <laughs> I don't, I, so <laughs> I don't hard know. For, so hard for me to care about the technological component of things. And I think the Xbox Series X has the same thing. And also uh, haptic feedback on the controller. So Ooh. the Wii was a big deal because you got in there and moved around yourself. Right. And it was like, well, 
I'm not just pressing buttons and pretending, I'm actually doing something. Yeah, that's why all the senior centers had the tennis. Yeah! I actually, I ended up with like four Nintendo Wiis at one point, and I, because I'm like that, and I yeah. donated two of them to senior centers and, and uh, they all psych played hospitals. The, and they love the bowling. Yeah! The, the seniors, they, they it was the best. They still love it to this day, I yeah, think. Yeah, I bet mm -hmm. you they do. Yeah, so it was a fantastic way to make people feel like they were doing something again. PlayStation came out with their own motion controller, but didn't really go anywhere. And motion controls in general are not considered cool anymore. Though PlayStation is trying to do something we like, in my opinion, mm. by having their controller touch you. What? <laughs> It's got something, I think it's called haptic feedback. So you're sitting, you're sitting on the couch. It's like you haven't played me in a while. It inches towards you, <laughs> gently nudges your thigh. Hey, <laughs> okay. well, uh... turn me back on, Jonathan Holmes. I'm picturing a PlayStation sexually harassing me, and it both like makes sense and doesn't, but it does remind me of other experiences I've had in life. So the Wii had rumble it had a speaker in it but it was about you being active right the playstation 5 is the controller is being active and like serving you in a sense servicing your <laughs> tactile needs it uh pushes back against you if you push the oh, button okay it'll be like let's no, say like so this game, Astro's Playroom, I think it's called. So you'll like, uh, I haven't played it, but I've heard that you will have to walk across sand or something. Mm -hmm. And you feel grains of sand. How? I don't know how, but they say it's pretty amazing. Raindrops are like, you feel rain. Wet? You, <laughs> you don't feel wet, but you feel... You feel, is it like a glove? It's not. It's just a regular friggin' looking controller. So I don't understand. While you're holding it, it'll it'll touch your hand back. You know what we should do? We should have a first experience, and and we'll describe it on that the show. Sounds great. We'll have to buy one. They're like oh. five hundred, six hundred dollars, and they're going to be sold out like immediately. I think it's yeah. coming out November tenth. So we'll figure it out. We'll find a way know. to do it. It's yeah. just an idea. It's it's a great idea. But to me, it's interesting because they're like, oh, it's it's different it's special like how the Wii was but instead of the Wii uh, unlike the Wii which is you were doing the extra work now the controller is doing all this extra work for you and it's funny one of the reviews I read of the PlayStation 5 controller specifically said unlike the Wii which was so gimmicky this thing is just super <laughs> cool because it makes you feel like you're getting rained on I'm like that sounds incredibly Probably gimmicky right. but the thing about a lot of people who like video games is they just want to be serviced. They don't want to do any work. The Wii made people, I don't know if you know this, there's a huge backlash against the Wii because it made people feel incredibly bad about themselves. Yeah, well, it if you stood on the scale thing. Not, yes, the Wii Fit made people feel terrible. And if you played a sword fighting game and you were bad at it, it wasn't because you pressed the button at the wrong time, buddy. It's because you suck at sword fighting in real life. You really are an uncoordinated yeah. butt munch. And they were feeling bad. It, it told you you were an uncoordinated butt munch. And that's not how people want to feel. Instead, they want to feel like their controller is kissing their ass so much it's going to rain on them. Ass rain kiss. Astro player. What, what was that? Ass, ass, ass player? Ass. 
sorry. <laughs> Astro's Playroom, I think it's okay. called. And I'm sure it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I like a new interesting I just experience. I'm just envisioning this this troll a controller. It's like it's like, yeah. Get this controller, and then I'm seeing some like really like mid '80s horror movie. The controller starts coming into your room at night. It's watching you. Mm. It's you know. I'm just going down this whole weird pathway. I put you on that path, and I appreciate it. It is just a regular controller, but it rumbles and and grumbles in some weird ways, and it has speakers in it, like talks to you and stuff. So they really wanted to be like a replacement for doing stuff in real life, which was the opposite of the Wii. The Wii was like. Take your real-life skills and apply them to this video game. So you like playing real tennis? Maybe you'll be good at Wii Sports Tennis. PlayStation 5 is saying, you don't even need to feel real rain anymore, folks. We're just going to make you feel wet. We're going to make it rain. (laughs) Yeah, the controller (laughs) is going to pretend to rain on you. And I feel kind of weird about it. But But I'm still very curious. Yes, and they've done a good job. I think they're going to come out and do pretty darn well. This time around, it is like an election when these new consoles come out. And they come out around the same time because if one sells really well, then the other one isn't going to get as many games put on it because it's expensive to put it on both. So whichever one sells best is the one that's going to get the most games because it's going to have the largest audience. And the larger your audience, the higher your potential for sales. So it's a pretty big moment in terms of yeah. where video games are going to go from here. If PS5 does well, we're going to see that kind of gaming do better. If Xbox, which is essentially just a computer, and that's, I think, why the consoles in general aren't selling as well, is because they've just turned into computers. And if you already have a computer, you'll just download Steam and download all those games there. So I don't think consoles in general are going to ever be where they were before. But out of these two, my bet's on PS5. Okay. Thanks for hearing about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of went on a tear there. Got pretty no, excited. that's good. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk more about it someday, I'm sure. So we've got another listener segment. Who's going to respond to a little bit of the things that we talked about on episode two? The It's got to be that Tomberry. It's, it's the redneck Tomberry. I'm so excited. I know. What is she going to say this time? She is responding to some of the things we talked about on the cannibal animal crossing... Baseball Crossing? I can't remember mm, what we named mm-hmm, the episode. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things <laughs> happening in that episode. Yeah, that was a fun episode. Uh, she's going to respond to some of that. We're going to play this clip now. So please get ready, folks, for the Redneck Tonberry. What's your grudge? I want to hear about it. Tell me about that grudge. Tonberry, what have you got for us this week? What do you want to talk about? Google Stadia can kiss my ass. For starters... That's not what I expected you to say at all. I. <laughs> That's right. You think I don't listen to the podcast? I know. You're the, yeah, that's true. We talked a little little bit last on the the last, prior episode about the one of the guys who works for Google Stadia had said something about streamers should pay video game publishers and developers in order to stream their game and stuff. But but you just started with Google Stadia can kiss you, the redneck Tonberry, your ass is what you said. Well, I mean, yeah, that guy should pay me to kiss my ass. <laughs> he's pay, he's paying you to kiss your own ass this time. He should. Be a better use of his time than pretending to work for Google Stadia. <laughs> You're implying he doesn't really do any work for them. That, That's and, and, what I heard, that they disavowed his ass. I could be wrong. 
<laughs> they did. I don't know if he was he was let go or not, but I don't know if you you have ever worked for Google, Redneck Tonberry, or if you know anybody who has. But some people don't do a ton of work for Google when they get the job because there's a lot of money already there. So if you don't make the money, they don't sweat it because they're like, oh, we already have like almost all the money. So you're right. Maybe he's not doing much work, and instead he should pay you to kiss your own ass. I I can't I can't fault your logic. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 there. It's green. <laughs> your ass is. It is like <laughs> the rest of me. Just green. Just green ass, as far as the eye can see. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Whoa, sorry. I have a cat, and he got very violent all of a sudden in the background. So, and I think that's probably why Dracula didn't have very many. Sorry, I've been playing Castlevania a lot lately. Yeah, Dracula, uh, Castlevania. What? Which Castlevania have you been playing? I've been playing the classics because I tell you, I tell you something. You know that series used to have such an identity for itself. Mm. It did. It was. It was. It had such an identity, and then it saw a popular thing and said, "Let's be that instead. Let's oh. chase a trend a million years after after it came and it went." Hmm. Because it's just. It's just. I don't know. They're just that behind the eight ball over there. But you know, it's just. It's just. I. I play the older Castlevania games, and they're all so sure of themselves. Hmm. And then they just jettison it entirely. Just everything that Castlevania was just gone from this earth. Like the snows of yesteryear. That is is intense and dramatic, and I I can see what you're saying. For folks who don't know, Castlevania Konami series two-dimensional action platformer with horror elements. They took a lot of characters from the Universal Studios Monsters roster and ran with that for a little bit and then took a turn, I believe, on the PlayStation 3, gave the series to a Western studio who made the Lords of Shadow games, one and two. And the they were... Lord of Shadow? That's... I'm talking about the PlayStation 1 version. Whoa! That's, you're... that's the one that ruined everything. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hey, we can be we can be a Metroid game. That's what we can do. You're attacking Symphony of the Night, the the beloved Alucard starring action platformer that that revolutionized the entire Metroidvania subgenre. You know what? That guy doesn't even hit nothing with a whip. In what way is that a Castlevania game at all? <laughs> I mm, he is Dracula's son, and he knows Richter Belmont, if I remember correctly. He's buddies with Richter, and well, yeah. I mean, yeah, hmm, tell me more. I, I don't need to cut you off. I mean, what else is there to say? They took <laughs> they took a game about some like dope ass Conan the Barbarian looking guy with a whip, and they're just like, you know what? What if he looked like a you're trying to you're trying. hot topic in like 2003 or an extra off an interview with the goddamn vampire. He's he's more appealing to certain sensibilities. He's got a 
and if I, I think I've even talked to Kogi Igarashi about this at some point, that Castlevania was very popular in the He-Man love in United States, but in Japan it didn't do as well, where there are often more delicate, beautiful, refined male leads in, in Japanese pop culture. It's a little bit more normalized to be more on the feminine side, so they're like Alucard. He'll, I mean, he'll be... Like Final Fantasy. Yeah, you enjoy Final Fantasy. You've you've even been in Final Fantasy, so you know all about that. A couple of them. <laughs> it's true. So you know about pretty uh, young men getting it done with swords and fighting the bosses and such. Yeah, one of them had a sword that was made out of toothpaste. <laughs> what? Who? Who did that? Which one was that? The blonde. That's not <laughs> it's a lot of blondes. That doesn't narrow it down. I don't know. I don't keep track. I don't keep track. Well, I would. I would talk to you about this all day, but we 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 should probably, for for purposes of time, wrap it up. So your final point is the classic pre-Metroidvania Castlevanias are good, and Lord of Shadow, which is the one I thought you were talking about. I was guessing that's the one that kind of aped the Devil May Cry series. There was a couple of those, and that more or less buried the entire. Castlevania series after the second one more or less bombed and now Castlevania is really only known as far as I can tell by fans of the Netflix anime series which is still doing pretty well I was I was at a a video game convention not that long ago and I asked people who actually worked at the convention it was PAX East do you know what a Metroidvania is and they said I have no idea what you're talking about because they haven't made a Metroid game a new Metroid game in 10 or so years and there hasn't been a Castlevania game as far as I can remember a new one in like 14, so... You know what, though? As far yeah. as I'm concerned, that series ended with Super Castlevania 4. Whoa, really? That's the last one. Because they that... took the numbers away after that, and I couldn't keep track. That's true. That's true. You're in the uh, Final Fantasy games are highly numbered as well. Yeah, so probably... I got relatives who are going to be in Final Fantasy 16. Watch out for my, my cousin. I will watch out Jeb. your cousin. Chip? Jeb. Jeb. <laughs> Jeb Tonberry? Yep. So, so is that, that it's a lot to count, though. They're up to 16, and that's not even counting Final Fantasy Type-0 and all the, the spinoffs that have names that are, are difficult to, to place in any sort of chronological timeline. Why not just call it Castlevania Five? I don't even know what the fifth one is. <laughs> I think it's Rondo of Blood, and uh, it's not easy to get. It's on WiiWare. I don't, you're not that interested. I shouldn't bore you with these details. Uh, so, yes, I guess that is your grudge for this week, is that Castlevania should have ended after Castlevania 4. Is that, do I have that right? Or kept up the numbers. One of the two. <laughs> so, because they stopped numbering them, that's it. Axe to the head, cut off the rest of the series. It ends at Super Castlevania 4 on the Super Nintendo. Damn right. It was the best one anyway. Well, Tom Berry, I appreciate your grudges as always, and I, I look forward to next time. Oh, I have not even begun to grudge. Is that a promise or a threat? Yes. <laughs> she told us about her grudge. Now let's get back to the show. Thanks, Tom Berry. I was shocked. Tanya, that was a shocker the, to hear the Redneck Tonberry say that Symphony of the Night is not their favorite Castlevania was 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 
a revelation to me. It, it opened my eyes up to whole new attitudes towards Castlevania. Thing about Symphony of the Night, I don't know if you've played it, but people are really sexually attracted to Alucard, who is tormented, well-dressed, half-vampire, pretty but handsome. You know, best of both worlds sort of a deal there. Wait, this was surprising to you? That Tonberry was not into Alucard and seemed to be more into like the hunky He-Man. Oh. Uh, that that was mostly popular in the United States as a male power fantasy with with young lads who who enjoyed the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe show and GI Joe. They also liked Castlevania because they thought, oh, I'll be like a smelly looking guy who has big muscles. I actually made a comic series called The Sweet Life of Drac and Grody about Simon Belmont hanging out with Dracula and they they seem to sort of have a thing for each other never become sexual but there's definitely it's there. there's, there's there's an th- undercurrent there's an affection for certain so it brings to mind that the vampire mythos is almost always associated with sexuality castlevania has been sort of gentle about touching it until now and because of that i think people are taking that ball and running with it Without Konami, because Konami, the maker of Castlevania, they haven't made a Castlevania game in a dog's age. They should get on that. They should. I think that it would be, right now is the time. Right now is the time. I couldn't agree more. So because they're not doing it, the indie game developers are doing it for themselves. And they're making their own game called Romancelvania. Oh my god. Romancelvania. Saying it twice. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there is a hunky Dracula. Yes. Who fights the flying spaghetti monster. Spaghetti. Does not try to have sex with it. Okay. But it can romance a Medusa or a unicorn. So it's a mixture of what they call a... a, Where's the spaghetti coming in? That's my confusion. (laughs) I just kind of threw that at you. So the flying spaghetti monster is not a copywritten character, but it is, as far as I know, a well-known and well-used character to make fun of how ridiculous some religious sects, maybe all religious sects... Are but there's the yeah. religious sex. No, no, no. Okay, so yes. it's is this like um a character that's not copyrighted that's used in multiple different games that people like kind of. I think they've been in other games, but I haven't seen them in a game in a while. And it was it's almost like a, a fun callback from ten years ago when it hmm. was really popular. So I digress. Please no. So Castlevania has a lot of ridiculous characters in it. You fight a monster that is just a bunch of like writhing naked bald men in the shape of a ball, and then yeah. you hit the ball, and underneath it there'll be like guts and some tentacles in there like how come that's happening they never really get into it and it's as silly as a flying spaghetti monster so they just went with it so yeah romance sylvania it's on kickstarter and i really want to see it succeed yes it sounds awesome so what do you have to do you have to like seduce people so you go and fight the monsters and explore the castle and along the way you fight monsters but also potentially go on dates with them oh and it is not uh, any sort of gender specific path you have to go down you might date a sexy male werewolf you might date medusa who is a, is a woman or you might date a unicorn you don't even know what's going on there exactly so it, it is not pornographic or explicit but it is playful and silly and sexy having yes. a good time with the vampire side the sexual side of castlevania that's awesome yeah i hope for it it's still on kickstarter and i hope it makes it it's one of those games that I think may not make it the first time on Kickstarter or may not make it as big, 
But a lot of games go back to Kickstarter two or three times hmm. and eventually end up making the money they need to. And as long as they fulfill all of their uh, promises to their backers, they'll end up doing well in the long run. So, so is there any projection for a timeline? No, I don't think so. I'll have to double check. They they usually are a little cautious about that. Yeah. But you, you never know what can happen. Yeah, you never know. The timeline. Absolutely, sure. especially in video game development amidst COVID. So. That is a great idea. If there's any ladies on that game that want to talk to us, I would love to talk. To I think one of them is relatively local, actually. Wow. And is a, a woman. I think she's making it with her partner who is a guy, and they are kind of pooling their perspectives to make this game truly inclusive. Mm. Seems like it could be a good one. Well, geez, Tanya, I think I talked a lot longer than I planned to. I apologize. No, this was great. It was okay? Yeah, I good. enjoy it. Good to hear. I enjoy it, too. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to talk about, or you want to pitch anything. This may be the very last time you're on the show. I know I said I that know, last time, but I then know. you came back, so... You guys I, can always come over to the Kitty Cat podcast and listen to me and my friend Jessica talk about cats. That's right. You have your own podcast that comes out pretty often. Yeah, for the most, it depends. Sure, but a lot yeah. of things going on. Yeah, definitely. Kitty Cat podcast available on multiple podcast streaming services. As for me, I write for a magazine called Nintendo Force, and it's fun for me. We're working on issue 50, it's uh, Bowser themed, and I hope you all check it out. For now, we're signing off. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care.